Aging is daunting. Mike and I are recognizing as each year passes that the more forgetful we become, the more we need to remember to plan for our future. Some of you are planners, others are not, but the reality is retirement is approaching for all of us as grandparents, and we cannot pretend otherwise. So let's walk through some of the things we should be thinking about as we age. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we talk to Cyrus Bamji, who is recognized in his field as an innovator and expert on retirement and older Americans. Currently, he is the Chief Communications Officer of the Alliance for Lifetime Income, where he leads financial education and communication strategies focused on consumers and financial advisors. He's not here to give investment advice, but he is here to help us think more accurately about the care we need to take when we save or spend our money in the final third of our lives. Welcome to The Grand Life, Mr. Bomji. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Looking forward to talking. You know, I have to say, I always feel like I'm going to the dentist when I talk to someone like you about future retirement, because I'm worried that what I find out is going to be painful. Should I be worried? (laughs) Well, that all depends on how much you've saved for retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know, you're you're part of a nonprofit consumer education association that was formed about five years ago by leading financial service companies and is dedicated to raising awareness and educating Americans about the need for protecting income for retirement. So you're not here for actual services because you're just here to help us understand, right, more about what it is that we need to be doing and what it is, what's out there for us. Is that correct? That's absolutely right, Emily. Um, we're a consumer education organization. We've spent the past five years basically talking to literally hundreds of thousands of consumers, all getting ready for retirement or close to retirement and helping them understand what they really need to be protected. The, the issue is there is a looming retirement income crisis uh, in America. Mm. And we used to say looming five years ago, but frankly, it's probably right at our doorstep now, um, especially considering the fact that next year we will have the most number of what we call peak 65 Americans, Americans that are between 61 and 65, reaching that traditional retirement age of 65. And our research is showing that less than half have about $100,000 or less saved for retirement. There's a number of reasons for that besides the fact that they haven't saved. One of the the big issues has been, and this is kind of a slow-moving development over the past 40 years, Our parents and our grandparents had what we call pensions. You worked for a company for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it may be. You had a pension that basically was guaranteed protected income that you could always count on for the rest of your life. So there was kind of a three-legged stool. There were pensions, your personal savings, whatever you put away as well with that. And then you had Social Security, which is a form of protected income. Those three legs have started to collapse because one has disappeared, pensions. Today, there's only 4% 
of Americans have access to a pension anymore. Back in 1980, when the first boomer started working in the working world, uh, it was close to 60%. And that shift has happened to 401k plans, right? Which basically puts the burden on people to save for themselves. Yeah, We just haven't done a good enough job at saying how much you need to save, what you need to put away. Um, and frankly, people have, haven't had the discipline to put uh, to put enough into their savings, which is what results in, you know, less than $100,000 saved in that peak 65 group, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just read something about Social Security that they're a little worried about that going away by 2033. Um, I mean, do we need to be worried about that as well? It's unfortunate uh, that people are saying that and thinking that. The fact of the matter is, Social Security is going to be there. Mm-hmm. All our indicators, and we're here in Washington, D.C., we we know the government, we understand what works. It's a solemn promise that's been made to every American who works and has worked uh, in their life. It's not going to go away. What may happen, however, when you talk about 2033, that's when Social Security basically will be insolvent Mm. if something is not done about making it solvent now. And we're running out of time. Congress is running out of time. You know, in typical fashion, unfortunately, Congress needs to be at the precipice of these type of crises uh, to, to act on something. And unfortunately, that's what may happen eventually. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, it'll always be there. It may be less than you think. And that's also uh, that's also what, you know, and all indicators are, uh, which which is actually not good, obviously. Right. You're counting on a certain amount. Yeah. And all of a sudden you get ready to retire and you're finding out that because things weren't done and people didn't act on it, that paycheck that you're going to get that's always going to be there is less than you expected. So that could be a likelihood. Yes. And I guess what is concerning about that as well is that I think people maybe have the uh, wrong impression that Social Security is actually going to help them live the life they want to live when they've retired. It's I mean, that was it's just a part of it. It's not like everything. You know, I don't know why that is. Uh, it, it has just become part of the culture. Yeah. Social Security was created as a safety net, literally a safety net. It was there to prevent older people from falling into poverty, frankly. And that's all it was. So the bottom line is, is that people don't realize that Social Security, even at its best, covers about 40%, only about 40% of your pre-retirement income needs. So using a very back of the envelope, very simple example, if you were earning $100, you know, in in, while you're working, you're only going to get $40 in Social Security in terms of your your paycheck. So it's a bad example, but it's basically, that's what it is. It is better for lower income folks. Um, You know, it does cover more percentage wise of what they need, but for higher income folks, it's even less, closer to 10%, 12%. So, um, but your point is absolutely right. Social security is just a safety net. You must have something else, savings, a pension and annuity to help cover that gap that uh, that Social Security leaves. Yeah, so now it is starting to get a little painful here as we talk. <laughs> Not necessarily for me personally, good but news for, too. The, for the majority. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for that good yeah, news. But before we get there, I recently read an article that concerns grandparents and their willingness to forgo their own future stability for the sake of their children and their grandchildren. And, you know, we talked about, Mike and I talked about this in an episode back in November of 2020 
when we talked to a woman named Madonna Harrington, who's the author of a book called Grandmothers at Work. And she was quoted in a recent research study that suggests that this financial impact of grandparenting is not positive. There are a lot of grandparents who are reducing or rearranging their work schedules, their money, everything to go towards grandparenting or parenting. Is that something that you have been seeing among grandparents? Very much so. You know, most grandparents are helping their kids today, their kids and their grandkids today. That's the bottom line. Um, There are two surveys. I'll point to two surveys, recent ones that give us, you know, a a picture of what's going on out there. Uh, ARP, one of my organizations that I used to work for many years ago, has a survey of grandparents that said over half, 53%, are helping with education costs, 37% are helping with living expenses. And by the way, that's been aggravated tremendously by the pandemic. That's sure. the other you know, monkey wrench that was thrown into this. And then 23%, almost a quarter of these folks are paying for medical bills for their kids or and their grandkids. A total amount, $2,500 annually on their kids and their grandkids. Now, here's, here's the real kicker uh, that I found. A bank rate survey which is showing that parents who are about 10 years or less away from retirement, they are the ones that are contributing the most to their grandkids or their kids in terms of financially. The ones that basically need to be saving the most and or holding on to their money the most. Um, they're, they're putting in about $2,100 and only putting six hundred and close to $650 into their own retirement savings. So $2,100 for their family, for the kids and or the grandkids, and only $600. That's scary and um, and totally unnecessary. In a year? Correct. That seems like a that's not very gonna, piddling amount. That's not going to work. Nope. That's exactly <laughs> right. So uh, <laughs> hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's that's what we call this looming retirement income crisis. So, so what should we do about that? How should we proceed? A lot of Americans, they're unretiring, right? Mm-hmm. They're going back to work. Welcome um, to Walmart. And yeah, <laughs> well, lots of other jobs. You're right. Uh, you know, these days, ageism is declining. Companies are desperate right now for workers in all sorts of jobs, uh, not necessarily in jobs, you know, on the front line and in that. So they are either holding on to their workers longer, older workers longer and saying, don't retire, you know, or if you retire, come back. Um, and they're starting to look at them as uh, as folks that can really contribute and do more. So there is good news in that respect if you want to keep on working or if you need to keep on working. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks retired during the pandemic, as you probably heard, the great retirement, they called it. Right. Well, there's also a great unretirement happening out there. <laughs> so that's one. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and it's because of that, because people... Even if they they did it on their own, in other words, they did it because I'm I'm hanging it up. The pandemic really really triggered this time for me to to hang up the, the the boots here, so to speak. They got into that situation, looked at their savings accounts, and realized the costs. Finally, for the first time, looking at their costs on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, and the fact here's the key, the kicker: these folks could easily live twenty, thirty, 
or 40 years in retirement. I, I, my mother's 91. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's, that's also one of the one of the things that we here at the Alliance spend a lot of time doing is helping people understand longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard thing to get our minds around, right? You know, in terms of, golly, I can't think about the fact what's going to happen five years from now. You're telling me I need to think about and plan for 20, 30 years out? Well, the fact of the matter is you do, certainly when it comes to your money, because you don't want to run out of money. Um, it's the reason why the surveys always, our surveys always show that the number one fear Number one fear of most Americans who are retired today is running out of money in retirement. Well, sure. For for good reason. And some of this research and messaging you're talking about doesn't necessarily necessarily help. (laughs) No, no, no doubt about that. So let's let's talk about good news and things that people can can do. do. Yeah, exactly. Especially as it relates to your grandkids and kids. Mm -hmm. So let's start with educate yourself and talk with a financial advisor before you start delving out money to your children and or grandchildren. Whether you're retired or unretired, doesn't matter. Get a real financial picture of what it's going to take for you to live in retirement and have the life you want in retirement first, before you spend $1,000 on an education, uh, you know, uh, tuition for your grandchildren Mm -hmm. or whatever else it may be. And in use of financial advisor, there are lots of them out there. People think that, you know, financial advisors are only for the wealthy and rich. They're not. There are a lot of financial planners out there who will work on an hourly basis. It's worth sitting down and going through that for for yourself. Um, So do that before you start extending that financial uh, support to your children, grandchildren. Work on getting a financial plan that looks at two things. The things you want to spend money on and what I like to call your must-have money. The must-have money are the things like your basic expenses every month. If Mm -hmm. you still have a mortgage, which a lot of Americans still do even when they retire, that's part of your must-have money, right? You've got to pay for those. You've got to pay for utilities. You've got to pay for transportation and food, things that you have to have and plot that out over the course of the next 5, 10, 20 years as to what it's going to take. Also taking into account inflation. So that's the must-have money that you've got to have. And then, depending on that, calculate basically the things that you want to do in retirement. You know, whether it's travel, starting a business, whatever it may be. All the things that you've always wanted to do, that's your wants. Mm -hmm. So put those things in those two buckets. And at minimum, make sure that you have enough income to cover those basic expenses that must have money. And that must have money comes from things like social security. You're always going to count on it, right? Mm -hmm. Figure out what you're going to need there. And then things like a pension, if you're lucky to have one, that's your guaranteed money. And the other is an annuity. Social security is a type of annuity. Pensions are a type of annuity. It's just annuities that you can buy independently or, or in the private market is what I'm talking about to help fill that gap to cover those basic expenses. So that's something that that folks can do regardless of how much you've saved. That way you've got that peace of mind knowing, you know what, I may not be able to travel the way I wanted to maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now for all sorts of reasons, but I'll always know that I've got my mortgage or my rent or my food on my plate is always covered with with that money, that must have money. So you, you talked about s- different categories of spending in retirement. Do you advise grandparents on putting the money that they um, that they use to help their children and grandchildren meet some of those needs in one particular bucket or another? 
how how do you how do you counsel them that's the the nice to have money that's the wants. okay uh that's the money for your wants you can you know once you've covered those basic expenses by the way for as long as you think you're going for to your live, own needs for your own needs, then you can sit back and say, okay, I'm going to prioritize whether I want to spend it on that trip to Europe next year or the year after, whatever it is, or I'm going to give that money to my grandkids, you know, for their education, for a savings account for them to start, whatever else it may be. But the bottom line is don't do any of that until you know you're covered. That's the bottom line. And that goes for anybody, whether you've saved 100000 a million or more. It, it really is kind of kind of fundamental. You know, uh, I know that for a, a long time, the idea of getting a financial advisor seemed like, oh, no, I don't want to spend the money to do that. Some people don't want to do that or they don't feel like they have their lives together enough to really bring all that information to a financial advisor. And I think that's, you know, that's an actually legitimate concern for people. Or you know, too it's, embarrassed it's too, to really embarrassed. expose the awful truth. Yeah. And and it seems like uh, for for us, exact, for us, when we went to a financial advisor, um, they didn't take any money. They they basically used the our investment as their um, their they took a of piece income. of that. Sure. So it didn't cost us anything upfront. I just wanted to say that because I think some people think, oh, I can't afford to go see a financial advisor. They're going to take so much money. It's a great question and a great point, Emily. There are many types of financial advisors out there, and they work on different different systems of being compensated, mm -hmm. right, for their fees. It's really important when you talk to one, whoever it may be, whether it's a friend who's referred it, or there's resources on our website that can help you find uh, the right financial advisor, that the biggest thing you can do is right up front, find out how they're compensated. Yeah. Um, you, what you just described in terms of how you have, that's that's compensation based on what we call assets under management. So you have your savings invested with them or they invest it for you and they take a certain percentage of that right. every year right. for, as part of their fees. There are other advisors that work on an hourly basis and they're there just to help you develop your financial plan. Um, <clears throat> you know, you were talking about, you know, people being embarrassed to talk to them. You'd be surprised at how easy it is to talk to them. And by the way, if you don't know what to bring together to come to the table with, they'll help you with that. Yes. You know, sit down with them. They'll say, let's start here. How much do you have here? Where do you have this? They know the right questions to ask you so that you can come with to come to the table with that kind of information. So there's a variety. My point is, is that there are a variety of types of financial advisors out there. Um, if you just need a simple advisor to help you develop your first retirement plan, spend some money, a few hundred dollars, by the way, yeah. to develop that financial plan. And then you may not need, you know, anything else. You know, you find somebody else to do your investments or you do them yourself. Um it just depends. So they're 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 types. They're also yeah. It's a great uh, it's a great feeling. It's a very it gives you a lot of peace when you've got somebody who's really helping you through that. One of the other things I wanted to mention was that you know in in the grand life we talk a lot about boundaries because a lot of adult kids talk about boundaries. Got to have boundaries. You know they mm. don't want their grandparents. They don't want them doing saying things, doing things, giving advice. But one of the boundaries I think that in on the other side for the grandparents is. I can't give you all that money. I can't provide 
that for you. You maybe don't take your trip to Florida or you don't take your trip to Disney World um, and then have me spend the money for your private school. You know, <laughs> you, you, That's right. you basically have to start saying to your adult children, I am not going to provide that for you. You will have to figure out how to provide that for yourself. That is a boundary yep. I think that we need to just speak to a little bit. Very much so. Um, and that boundary, you know, it's funny, many times, at least in our experience, even in my personal experience, I don't know why. Maybe it's just the age that we're living in. Kids have an expectation yeah. that grandparents are going to take care of certain things or help out, right? Uh, that kind of thing. And and it's a very logical. They're family, right? Sure. Um, you care about them. You want that. But the fact of the matter is, when you're asking them for money to help with whatever it may be, and it may not be an overt asking, it may be, you know, you're having a conversation with your mom or dad about your grandkids, you know, and I just had this bill come up with my with my kid over here. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, you know, this next month. And all of a sudden you find one of the grandparents saying, well, maybe I can help you out over there. So it comes in different ways, as you know. Um, you have to be honest uh, in terms of how you you talk about this, because here's the bottom line. Your kids, for sure, leave aside your grandkids because they may not be old enough. But your kids need to realize that when they're taking money out of your the grandparents' accounts, they are ultimately going to be harming them in some way, shape, or form. It reminds me of this bumper sticker that I saw many, many years ago. You guys may have seen it as well um, on one of the cars down in Florida that I saw, you know, grow old, be a burden to your grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically get revenge, be a good burden to your grandkids. Well, you know, that's very real. Yeah. And that is a very real possibility out there. So, um, you know, just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it uh, because they need it. I was looking at some numbers the other day coming out of the Great Recession in 2008. Mm -hmm. That really hurt the youngest cohort of boomers. So the, the boomers that are the youngest uh, that are now starting to age into uh, into that uh, retirement age. Yeah, that would be us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and would be me myself. Yeah. I just turned just turned 60. I'm right at the tail end of the boomers. Those are the folks that are hurting the most in their savings yeah. right now, because that it takes such a long time for a market downturn like that, what happened in 2008, mm -hmm. to for people to recover the money they had. $1,000 was $500, you know, when they came out of it. And it takes years to build that back up just to get back to, to equity. So, you know, the markets are a great way to grow your money ultimately over a longer period of time. Find a way to make sure you have money that's protected. That's that's yeah. the bottom line. Mike, do you think we should ask in a little bit of annuity exactly what an annuity is and how it works? Do you think our audience would need to know that? Sure. There's probably a, a short answer to that question, right? An annuity is very, it's very simple. It's a type of investment. It's actually an insurance contract that you have with an insurance company, a life insurance company. Uh, you give in one lump sum. And th for that, they guarantee you an income every month or every year, depending on what you what your needs are uh, for the rest of your life. 
That's the bottom line. Sounds okay. good. Thanks. Mr. Bamji, thank you so much for the time you have taken to talk with us about our financial stability. You know, we're grateful for people like you who can help encourage and guide us because it's not an easy subject to talk about or even one to act on. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you. So how did all that conversation make you feel, Emily? Well, you know, we seem to live around a lot of retired people now that we've moved. And when I see them out and about, I wonder and I worry for them that they might have a tough future ahead if they haven't saved enough before they retired. You know, I'm glad you threw that question in about annuities at the end, because uh, that was something that was new to me. Yeah. This method of moving savings funds out of something like stocks that will swing up and down with the financial markets and over into a form of future income that will stay the same until the end of the gap that it's designed to cover, either uh, a period of time or until your death. I'm just not sure how many people see it in that light. Yeah, I agree. Here is one final plug for an online speaking engagement that Emily and I have coming up. It's called Grandparents Academy, and it is the largest virtual celebration and educational conference for grandparents of its kind. We're going to have a conversation with Aaron Larson, the founder of the event, about dangers of comparing ourselves to our in-law grandparents and actually any grandparents in a session called Overcoming Grand Comparisons. The Grandparents Academy runs September 10th through 16th, 2023. General admission is free and there are giveaways going on for people who register in advance. You can get signed up at www.grandparentsweek.com. You know, we find that word of mouth is the most powerful way to reach a wider audience. So if you find value in our podcast, and I hope you do, tell a friend who is interested in intentional grandparenting or share a link or post about us with them. While the pool of grandparents grows as the number of people in their 60s grows, our potential audience is getting bigger. So please help us make the actual audience get bigger, too, by telling a friend about the Grand Life Podcast. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life... I can't tell you how many people I talk to every day that are in their 60s and 70s and 80s and even 90s, and they still suffer from childhood trauma. They still suffer from their past, and you know it impacts how you parent your children, and it impacts how you live in the world and what they observe about you as a person. A lot of times we, 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 we can shut down and avoid things, whereas our kids and our grandkids need us to do just the opposite. If we really want to make a contribution, you know, them being able to have the healthiest version of us is, is the most important thing. That's next time on The Grand Life.